0: This is Jeff Morton, your host, one of your hosts, for Returning to Eden. And my co-host is somewhere out there in cyber world. Hi, Dana.
1: I am not in cyber world. I'm in my living room. <laughs> hi, well, Jeff. <laughs> How are <hi>. you?
0: <laughs> good. Uh, you know, we, uh, we have a really, really a good show tonight. We have Dr. Amen. Chris Green. We're going to introduce him in just a moment. Of course, last week we were talking about image bearers, and we're going to kind of tie some of that together tonight. But also, we're going to continue that discussion next week. Uh, but we have been planning to have Dr. Chris Green on for some time now uh, to talk about his new book, God's Healing Code. Of course, my co-host fled to Ireland, and then she got sick, and so everything got kind of, kind of uh, discombobulated. But uh, everything yeah, your came. image bearer
1: here got sick, <laughs> and, and
0: tonight I'm, I'm actually, I've actually been sick for the last four or five days. I think I'm on the other side of all of this. So I might cough a little too much tonight, but please forgive me, you guys. Uh, if that happens, I'll try to mute the, mute the microphone. But anyway, uh, we have Dr. Chris Green on. Dr. Chris Green wrote a book called God's Healing Codes: A Biblical Prescription Restoring Body and Soul. Dr. Chris Green, welcome to Returning to Eden. How are you this evening?
2: Well, I'm doing great, and what an honor, and I'm really looking forward to spending some time with you guys. It sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Usually. You know, we, we, we actually, <laughs> folks, to tell you the truth, we have a lot more fun prepping the show uh, than when we go, when the microphone goes on, <laughs> we got to get serious. So uh, but we're easily laughing and cracking up before the show starts. Dr. Chris Green, um, our audience might not be familiar with you. Uh, why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about you and bring them up to snuff? about why uh, you wrote this book and who you are and give us a little history about Dr. Chris Green.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, hi, audience, and thanks for letting me share an hour with you, invading your time. And uh, so I am Dr. Chris Green, and I've been in practice for a long time. I like treat people for all kinds of conditions, chronic pain, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm a chiropractor by profession, and so that means I've worked on a lot of necks and backs uh, but I've also worked with a lot of people who are struggling with things that go beyond the body, and what I mean by that—just give you a really quick example—I had a patient come in with his wife, and he was suffering from gout. And the long story short was it is because he is under a lot of stress. This came out of out of, out through a couple of different dialogues with the three of us—husband, wife, and me—and he was under a lot of stress, and he is drinking to deal with the stress and that's what drove the gout and so it was a spiritual problem not physical you know although he stopped drinking so much but it wasn't that easy he needed help you know with the soul and we don't do that in healthcare offices and that's where um, I really came to the realization that if I don't write about how body and soul are tied together and the fact of the matter is that the spiritual part is best treated in a place called a church or a synagogue and so this book explains things very detailed um, you know, from like a medical, physical perspective, but it also ties in on the spiritual and no better way to do that through the conduit of Hebrew and the Hebrew language.
0: Well, now, you're you're a married doctor and uh, a chiropractor. You have a bunch of kids. You have a gaggle, I should say, of children. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have, what, seven kids, did you tell me?
2: We do. We do. The, you know, it's funny when we were pregnant with our last, our, our newest, Nathan, who's now five. And I'm 54. And that means I was 49 when uh, he was on his way. <laughs> and my wife was walking through the house, and I bumped into her tummy. And I looked at her and said to her, I said, What are we thinking? I'm going to be 50 <laughs> and have a little kid. And I still am 54 and have a little guy. And the oldest is 20, Josh. And everybody in between, they're all our kids. Of course, I don't have to tell you guys, but when I speak in other settings, and they announce that I have seven kids, I immediately say, no, we're not Catholic, no, and we're not Mormon not either.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: We just love our kids.
1: And you're not a Hasidic, Jew. <laughs> no,
2: neither that.
0: Well, now, you, so you've had, uh, you know, in, with all these children, as well as your practice, and also being spiritual, uh, when did you come into a biblical understanding of the kingdom of God?
2: Well, I've been a Christian for many years, um, a long, long, long time. But this Hebrew walk um, started about 10 years ago. And, you know, it's interesting. It had. Do you know when it started? Um, when we moved to Durango, Colorado, we lived there for about eight years. And it's near and dear to your heart because it's when somebody put in my hands um, Mark Biltz's um, Blood Moon video. And so that kind of opened the door for me, and uh, that just started me down the path of investigating my faith from this Hebrew perspective and so I'm a, I'm a researcher at heart and when I dig into things I dig pretty deep and so I really got to studying it um, really dug deep on the Hebrew, had a lot of exposure to Frank Seekins and the word pictures and as you know Jeff that really gives you a different perspective on things, it's unique um, but also you need to learn other aspects as well and so it's just been this incredible journey uh, and it's been 10 years now and along the way I wrote this book.
0: You know, I think it's exciting, Dr. Uh, Green, and also, Dina, how this, the last, I would say the last 10, 15 years, Dina, this whole Hebraic understanding of the Bible is just exploding. Yeah, really,
1: you know, I've I've tried to look back to get a, because I I became a believer in 79, and, and as a Jew becoming a believer, trying to get a big perspective, and I think, like in the 90s, there was the, the beginning of it you know so with bill cloud on the scene Brad scott etc but like you say in the last 10 years this thing has absolutely exploded everywhere and sometimes it's a bit overwhelming um i just i wanted to say i really appreciate your, you the way your book was was written and designed uh, whoever helped you with all the little pictures and the and just uh, really well put together i uh, really appreciated that um, I kind of wanted to move into the area if we could just about stress because it seems to me that's the number one issue uh, you know we're trying to keep everything in balance exercise sleep prayer you know how we eat but i it just seems to me that families are dealing with stress in ways that's not you know since the beginning of time we so could you could you talk about that a little bit
2: mm-hmm you know, I, and I know that you all have experienced this too, especially when you start to go deeper with the Lord. And I, I have. I had one time where it's almost audible. It wasn't audible, but man, it was really close. Where I was really trying to figure something out and the Lord just said, no, not now. And <laughs> he had to say it a couple times. And uh, finally I was like, okay, Lord. I mean, it had happened enough times I was like, okay, I just won't try and figure this thing out. And it wasn't but for, you know, probably two or three years later and just finally the pieces were all in place in the life experience and the light bulb went off and it made sense. And I knew that it was exactly in response to this thing several years earlier that I was trying to figure out. And so that will happen. Either you just have to accumulate life experience or he'll re- reveal things through his word or whatever it is, or a combination of all of it. So to answer your question of stress, the letter mem, has been one of those things which can be symbolic for chaos, stress. It can be symbolic of chaos, and in the pictograph, it's crashing waves on the top, which okay, that's you know that's chaos, you know, like a category five hurricane. But on the bottom, it's like stillness. And I'm I'm a big water skier, and man, if you're a water skier, you love the glass in the morning because mm-hmm. well, people don't yeah. slalom ski anymore. It's like old school. I get out of slalom ski, and people are like, what's that thing that guy's got? But anyways, uh. The glass is great, and you don't really think of it as like chaos. But but here's where it is chaos. If you have a still a still pond, just this beautiful scenic you know mountain pond Durango, and that sits and it sits and there's no flushing of water through it. It stagnates, and then it becomes a swamp and it becomes death as all the green stuff bubbles up and just nothing lives there anymore. So total stillness can as much be chaos because it doesn't support life any more than constant crashing waves. And we live in this incredibly crazy time. I was just talking to somebody about this in a Calvary Chapel just two days ago. And it's this. We are so tied in to these smartphones and our kids love just my five-year-old today. Dad, can I play Xbox? Because you know, we, we try to limit the time. We should limit it more than we do, but we try to limit the time. And here's the crazy thing about that. When you're on your smartphone, when you're Xboxing, when you're doing that stuff, your mind is going a million miles an hour. I mean it's a category 5 brain activity and there's never a rest if you never unplug from it. But your body is what? Completely still. So we live in this time where people mentally are running a thousand yard dash over and over and over and over and their bodies aren't along for the ride. So their bodies are like decaying before their eyes. Obesity in our kids has doubled in the last 20 years. Now one out of five kids is obese. That's horrifically bad news. And all the while mentally it's so bad. Um, we made mention earlier um, about the, uh, some of the stuff I read about in the book and one of the terrible things is about this spike teen teenage suicide and opioid abuse Mm -hmm. so the numbers when you look at them are horrific in every direction so Dina to your question about the stress I mean Shalom is all about bringing some balance to those two extremes and we live in a culture that that knows nothing about that kind of balance and um, you
1: know one of the things you know we've talked about Adam in the garden and you know the As king in the garden, he was supposed to maintain creation and bring stability and keyword order to Mm -hmm. the environment. And it just feels like we live in an environment that is so out of order and then the the chaos is just flooding in. Uh, Do you have any tips for people just, I mean, because we're all dealing with it. What are some things that you recommend for people dealing with this kind of stress, disorder and chaos and dysfunction in their lives? And these are believers, you know, kingdom believers.
2: Here's a great one. It's called White Space. Heard a speaker talking about this just the other day. Uh, And White Space is this idea of unplugging from your technology um, before you come home. You know, guys or gals coming home from work, turn the radio off the last five minutes of the drive. Just steady yourself, calm yourself, quiet yourself, and walk into the door of your home, ready to be a member of the family. Not with phone in hand checking those emails. Like for crying out loud, you really got to look at them like continuously. You know, that, just that one, just that one is this idea of being present. Turn off the technology. Come into your home. Take five minutes before you actually walk in your home. Clear your mind and think about your family that you're coming home to. The dog, you know, as so I heard this story about this one person who she is getting counseling about white space. And she said, "Yeah, my dog ate five blackberries in a row. You know, a blackberry kind of dates you, but still, you get the idea. Why was the dog chewing up the blackberries? Because it saw the blackberries as competition for the master's attention. You know, just think about how if we could, I, you know, I would chew up some people's smartphones when I'm trying to have a conversation with them and they're looking at it. I know they're not listening to me. It's like, what do we do here? So there's one.
1: Yeah, no, and that's good."
2: I think the other thing,
1: to, be, wait, wait, oh, one sec. I'm
2: sorry, go just, ahead, Dina.
1: One of the things, and I struggle with this, is, you know, I get up in the morning and try to have my prayer time, but one of the first things I do after that is turn on the stupid computer and check stuff. Like that, just, and it breaks the whole flow of everything I've just done.
2: Jeff and I would never, ever do that. No, ever.
1: I don't believe you.
2: I'm joking. No. It's like 6 a.m. and <laughs> I see his little green dot next to his name and mine is too. So, yeah, so, it's a bad idea. I agree with you. It's a bad habit.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. and it's hard it's, to break.
2: It's yeah. just electronic. It, well, I want to
0: go back to something you said about white noise. You said turn off the radio. White space. The white space. White yeah. space. Yeah, white space. Okay. Um, that's That's kind of like what your book is talking about. In other words, if your body is crying because it's got too much sugar, stop eating sugar.
2: Yeah, right.
0: It's it's kind of like, uh, and I kind of want to get into the book a little bit because with the book, it's your, your whole book is talking about not only the body, life itself, but also our physical bodies. And what we see going on with the chaos and the stress and doing all these things that that don't bring peace to your household, peace to your body. We see the same thing happening in our bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned a guy who was drinking; he was creating another problem. I know for me, years ago, it was drug abuse. I was creating another problem. In all of these instances, my is being affected, my kidneys being affected, my heart's being affected. My the the entire balance of my body is being thrown out of whack. And really what you have to do is you have to unplug yourself from the things that are causing damage. What the world has taught us to do is to medicate ourselves, to dose ourselves up with these chemicals that create more problems than they do solving problems. So in terms of your book, when you talk about cholesterol, when you talk about all of the different things that we're doing to wreck our bodies, how does sugar affect the body how it does so we know how stress affects us you know well, and so I,
3: here here's here Hang uh-huh. thanks a
0: second i get up in the morning and i'm trying hard not to turn the computer on first thing yeah i'm not winning
3: I'm well not, i'm not
0: having success with that and that's yeah. the culture we live in now it wasn't that way 40 years ago because we didn't have a computer
2: right well um let me answer to the, the sugar question first. Here's the beautiful thing, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-seven, and this was really, really, really what set me on the path with the book. It would, says, you, would, you, uh, would
0: you repeat the scripture again?
2: Proverbs twenty-five twenty-seven, okay. and it says this: It says, "Don't eat much honey, nor is it good to glorify your glory." What the heck does that mean? I love asking pastors or rabbis, whoever. Am I glorifying my glo- my glory? Because after all, I'm not supposed to glorify my glory, and I want to make sure I don't. And you know, and so you get the standard. I mean, you read the commentaries, and it's like, you know, don't be a show off or something like that. It's kind of more or less the way it's handled. And then of course the question becomes, well, okay, I get that. I mean, that makes sense. But how's that tie in to not much honey, tavash, in the Hebrew? And so uh, that's a problem. And as I was doing my thing and just like, you know, you guys do when you're studying through your Hebrew and you're looking at these different iterations of the word, knowing that the English is just trying to do the best in the context of how the word's used, that word, um, the root, kafbet um, dalet, is also the root for kaved, which is liver. And so if you read that passage, don't eat much honey, it's really bad for your liver, I paraphrase a little bit. Um, I was like, wow, now that would make sense physiologically. So I contacted my um, Hebrew scholar friend, Dr. Danny Ben-Gigi. He's pretty smart on Hebrew. And um, I asked him, and he's got a real thick Israeli accent. Danny, is this right? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Yes, this is true. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard anybody ever translate it that way before. But yes, and he knows enough physiology to know that that's true. Oh, my goodness, it is bad for your liver. Yes, this is true. You know, so I felt a little confident with that understanding. And then as you just start to work through it, and I talk about it in the book, like the word it, um which is the word for the hump of a camel. Well, it, you know, the root is debash. What's the connect, connect between a camel's hump and sugar? Well, a camel's hump, so here's the researcher in me, so I go and I study up on camel physiology. And contrary to popular belief, their hump is not full of water. It's full of triglyceride which is condensed sugar. There's three blood sugars to every triglyceride molecule. So it's a condensed form of sugar. So to call a, ha- a camel's hump the bashet with an attachment linguistically through the Hebrew to sugar is a very, very eloquent way of saying that a camel's hump is a store of sugar, energy. That's the fuel your body runs on. That's why they can go into the wilderness as long as they can. Well, when I share that with my scientific friends, and here's the first question I get, well, or is a statement. Well, there's no way they could have known that back then. Meaning, so in, in the science, we call it de novo. That means new lipo fat genesis, you know, genesis creation of. De novo lipogenesis is your body making fat out of sugar. And by the way, that's how you get fat, is eating too much sugar. So they'll say, well, there's no way they could have known de novo lipogenesis back then. And I grin and I shake my head in agreement and I say, I agree with you, I really don't think that they did either. But the guy who came up with this thing called Hebrew, God, Hashem, I think he knows it really well. And I think he was very intentional when he used Dabash and Dabash to make this connection. And so then all of a sudden you are confronted with a really stark reality. Either this creator of everything that we see weaves Incredible detail into the language that he spoke it into existence, or you just have to deny the whole thing altogether and it just stacks up too much, one after another. Halev, fat, choma, butter, wall, all of these things physiologically. Earlier, we were talking about Giyad raises up the hand for ligament and tendon. It's just one after another, after another, after another.
1: It's interesting, too. It just occurred to me, you know, Kavod also, you know, I I don't like to get too deep in the weeds on the number thing but it, it does have a value of 26, which is the same value as the name of God, yod heh val mm. kind of interesting. Mm. Um, so I wanted, uh, you know, on the sugar thing, because this is a unique time in history, probably since the 50s. I just read an article about the sugar lobby in the 50s, and they figured out uh, that if they encouraged a low-fat diet, then everything that would be made from that would have to be filled with sugar because in order to have taste. So now we have there. If you don't eat, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and and fresh meats and whatever, you're eating sugar because every single thing that's packaged and made and bought in the store, whether it's salad dressing or whatever that <coughs> thing is, has sugar in it. Like everything has sugar. My husband and I eat in a way where we don't eat any. I've actually read that the fruit sugar today is even more, it's a higher content of sugar than it would have been anciently. So um, could could you just talk about that, just the repercussions of every single, all our food filled with sugar?
2: Yeah, and it's not hard to do. I mean, there's a couple things that you just gotta really distill it down to the basics. And here's number one that you have to get your arms around. Carbs are carbs. So all sugars are carbohydrates. They're synonymous with one another. And so whether it's coming from refined grain products, you know, bread, uh, or from sugar, you know, like table sugar, what we think of as table sugar, you know, carbohydrates are carbohydrates, and your body is going to process them more or less the same. Well, in the American diet, 40% of our um, caloric intake comes from refined carbohydrates, meaning sugar and um, breads the impact is really, really tremendous. Uh, of course, it drives things like diabetes, but the other thing that it does is it, uh, it converts, um, it transforms LDL and HDL into a problematic type, which is called small dense. Right. Uh, I talk about it in the book, but into the pro- problematic small dense as opposed to large buoyant. It also <laughs> oxidizes it, the high sugar levels do. LDL and HDL, You know, get this one, it's so important. Think of it like this. Uh, think of it as a bus that carries cholesterol out to your body from the liver, that's where it's made, and then um, that's LDL, and then HDL brings cholesterol back. Why would it take it out and bring it back? Because cholesterol is so important, your body recycles it. Go figure. It. Yeah. That's how important it is. But it's a problem if it's in the small, dense, oxidized. How does it get small, dense, oxidized? Too much sugar. Proverbs 25:27. Don't eat much sugar. It'll really screw up your liver. And that's where all this stuff. Ha- I mean, imagine that. You know, yeah. one little yeah. obscure verse in Proverbs <laughs> tells the whole story. So, if LDL takes it away and HDL brings it back, meaning cholesterol to the liver, well, neither is good or bad. Or bad. It's like saying, oh, all dads are bad and all moms are good. It's like, and we do that in our culture, right. um, to a certain degree. And that's ridiculous. You need both. You need the two. Who are really not. They just don't work. It's like trying to lift the arc with only one pole. It doesn't work very well. You need both. And you need LDL and you need HDL and you need cholesterol. It becomes problematic when you eat too much sugar. So here's health tip number one. Eat less sugar. That's all there is to it. Because if we are overdosing on refined carbs already as a culture, and we do, so when you go get a burger, do a lettuce wrap. Cut out one of those frappuccinos or whatever sweet kind of drink you're, or the soda or whatever. Just cut out one of them and that would be a big, big deal.
0: And and that's that's what I was alluding to when you said turn off the radio, Mm -hmm. turn off the computer. I mean, really it's up to us to make the decision to allow our bodies to work. Something else in the book you talked about, uh, diabetes and how... The, it's, we're, our cells are overwhelmed and pretty soon they, they create a barrier. Would you explain that a little bit?
2: Sure. So really what diabetes is, the better way to understand it, is insulin resistance. And so when you eat sugar, your body releases insulin. <coughs> and insulin is like um, the uh, – it's, like it's a transporter for the sugar. And so uh, sugar and insulin come up to the cell membrane and they knock on the door. And insulin says, hey, I'm here with sugar and uh, the cell membrane allows the entry of the sugar and in the insulin, and there you get sugar into your cell. Here's a really important one to, to know. Love asking this question in a group setting. Of the three, which is essential, meaning which one of these macronutrients can you not live without? Fat, protein, or sugar? Carbohydrate. The answer is sugar. You will die without carbohydrate. Fat, you can get by without it. Protein, you can get by without it. But sugar, you will die. It's called a diabetic coma, and it's a bad thing. And so what happens is that when you elevate your insulin levels for a sustained period of time, it's that knocking on the door. I'm knocking on my desk, if you hear that. (laughs) Scott's like, stop doing that. It's ruining the sound levels. (laughs) But anyways, so, uh, sorry, Scott. So um, here's that knocking on the door. Imagine if somebody kept knocking on your door all day long, knock, 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 knock. You'd finally just stop answering it. So that's what happens. And so then your body has to uh, excrete more insulin and knock louder. And the body will answer for a period of time. And finally, you'll get to a level to where even with your pancreas pumping out as much insulin as it can, the cell still won't answer the door. Well, what do we do? We come along and inject the person with more, you got it, insulin. That's the treatment. Or diabetes I mean what else you got to do you got to get the sugar in there if it sounds like a bad idea it really is how about you just stop eating so much sugar and let the system reset so in a nutshell that's what diabetes is it's insulin resistance insulin is really important it does a very important job but if you keep the levels elevated at a high point eventually the cells will just stop res- responding to the knock on the door
1: so, you know, we've talked about stress, we've talked about sugar, and we've talked about computer addiction, <laughs> which these are things, well, but these are things that the body of Messiah is dealing with. It's not like people just out there and we're all, we got it all worked out. And And because we seem to be unable to discipline ourselves, I mean, the Bible really encourages self-discipline and making good choices, and we're as guilty as those outside the camp. And so... I just I'm hoping through tonight that, that those that are inside the camp will start seeing the value they've got to make different choices because we need to have the energy and the discipline to be able to go out and do kingdom work and if we're sick you know and addicted we can't
2: you what's know, really interesting is the verse after that uh, proverbs 25 27 here's so so let me read 27 and then 28 listen to the I mean just like knock your socks off or what it is not good to eat much honey, I'm reading out of the ESV. It is not good to eat much honey, nor nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. Here's verse 28. Dina, just what you said. A man without self-control is like a city, the cell walls, is like a city broken into and left without walls. It's like, <laughs> excuse me, what did it wow. just say? I mean, yeah. it ties right onto that, yeah. a man without self-control.
3: Yep.
0: That That to me is... You know, I've read the book, folks, and and I know some of you who are in my area of influence have too. This book, it's not just giving, it's not a book about how to eat better, how to diet better, how to, it's a book about why it's important to be responsible Mm -hmm. better, how to take care of your liver, how and why we need to, it's no different, this is the thing, and it's it's, and I don't want to ramble, but if the enemy knows that sugar is going to destroy the house,
3: mm-hmm.
0: destroy the body, which is what we're talking about, destroy the kingdom, he's going to dose the house with sugar. If the, if, the, if the enemy knows that if he can just get the whole body sick with diabetes, mm-hmm. with uh, liver problems, with kidney failure, with heart disease, if he can do if he can contaminate the body then he's gonna do that the problem is he didn't have to do any of that we're so busy doing it ourselves and a lot of it is because we don't understand that the battle has already been put in front of us and we're just we're reaching in and grabbing the things that are gonna kill us
1: well it seems to me too this is like this is the number one area because actually if you go back to the garden and Adam because he didn't exercise discipline and self-control he ate something he wasn't supposed to so it's it's not surprising that this is an area to me the most difficult and challenging area for for anyone you know but especially those in the kingdom are really struggling with this and then there's just so many voices and influences coming in from everywhere sometimes people can't even figure out you know what should i do there's just too too many voices in their head to figure it out. So, uh, like I said, I really like the way you put the book together, and I think um, you're, you're, you're giving a really good overview and kind of a giving principles, which I think that's the kind of thing that can really help people, is the seeing the principles and then trying to live by those principles.
0: And you use biblical examples. I love the time you spent dealing with Pharaoh, Moses mm-hmm. is Pharaoh, and how uh, the hardening of his heart, and you break that down, and it's very similar it's not the kind of hardening that we've been taught it's a different concept no. and again you're, you're 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 matching all of these concepts and historical events to to like a, a biblical um they have a biblical foundation if you allow this much crap into your system that crap is going to start killing you well this is exactly what ancient Israel did and the crap became ancient is Egypt and the Pharaohs that did not know Joseph and they started doing what killing the body killing the body killing. that's what I love about the the book you equate all of these things that that we we can profess ignorance to to the destruction we're we're, we're self annihilating ourselves And it's not because of ignorance, it's because of a lack of discipline. And then the lack of discipline bars us from gaining the knowledge. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: It's like we're losing the battle on three different fronts. Your book shows us how these stories in the Bible emulate the stories of the body and how the body's being destroyed. Uh, And you kind of do that towards the end of the book. Your book becomes less about all the information you you obviously have on the subject to about what do you do about it. (coughs) How do you spiritually... And folks, I really do have to apologize for coughing. There's no way I was going to miss the show, but I hope you can bear with me coughing. Um, You take us... The thing I love about Hebrew is it shows us how God has preordained everything, everything. And the more we go back and understand the letters, the numbers, the words, and the pictures that God has used in the Hebrew language to define everything, everything is connected. Everything is connected to something God is trying to communicate to us. And what better perfect, what other place? We've got two things Our shows about the kingdom, and it's about how the body rejected the kingdom, and now what is the body? Sick, desperately sick, and we need to find our white noise again, or our white space. Anyway, what 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 do you say to that? I mean, it's was that your intent?
2: Well, it was. It was my um, it was my realization of, of reconciling. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, reconciling my experience clinically where I'd see people time and time again fail in their efforts on the physical side of it with weight loss and and obesity diabetes that all that kind of stuff is that that repeated failure and it was destroying I mean you want to see just really crushed people you know you had made the mention earlier about being a champion for women Uh, sadly in our culture uh, women carry a, a higher social stigma than guys do. For whatever reason, it's more okay for a guy to be obese than it is a woman. Um, but just it seems to be that way. Uh, but they, the, the women, and here's the other thing too. Women care about their health way more than guys do. And here's the other thing about women too. They care way more about their husband's health than their husbands <laughs> do. And it's Amen, it's brother. <laughs> off, Seriously, right? Yeah. And I will never forget, and this is a true story. I had one patient, two. I'll never forget this one lady. I was doing a, a, a workshop where I was explaining a lot of what we're talking about tonight the diet, the metabolic syndrome and stuff. That's obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cholesterol. Okay. So she was like visibly agitated. And I'm, I, I, to the point where I stopped, I'm like, Are you okay? And she said, No. She goes, I'm furious. I mean, she was like ticked. She goes, I'm furious. She goes, I am so mad. My husband is not here. He's the real reason I'm here. He's the one that's suffering from this stuff. He's the one on the cholesterol meds. He's the one all this, all this kind of stuff. And I'm so fearful he's going to have a stroke or he's going to die. And that is not what I signed on for when I married him. Is for him to check out because he won't take care of himself. Well, that came to fruition because I had another patient shortly after where she did do everything to care, take care of herself, try to get her husband to take care of himself. A year later, he was dead because of heart disease, because he just couldn't be convinced that he should take care of this thing called his body, that is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, it, it, like it's finally like, hello. I just think of that scene from um, Back to the Future: Knock, 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 McFly. Hello. Like, when do we finally wake up?
0: but Dina, you. I mean, you. We've spent hours talking about the Holy Spirit and and how I'm a firm believer that when God wants to communicate to men. I mean, when he really, I mean, he could show up, you know, this blaze of glory. But he did something even smarter. He gave to us women, and he said, okay, now I want you to repeat after me. Don't go left, go right. And what does the guy do? He goes left. But the wife just told him, don't do that. Or, in my my understanding of this, God just spoke through his wife and told him not to do that, and he did it anyway. I really believe that, Dina. I really do believe that there's something about what women say that we need to listen to because I'm convinced that a lot of times it's the Father speaking to us through our wives, through his daughters, through the women, through the Holy Spirit, however you want to lay it down. I really do believe that. And our society kind of discards women in the same way that the enemy would have us discard. Discard God. It's the same kind of dichotomy.
1: Well, I, we have a success story in our house because Amen. my husband, for a long time, was the he had a very large belly, <laughs> was overweight, and uh, I, you know, finally got it. We, you know, got a lifestyle, a good eating lifestyle. He's. We walk every day. He's. He's like the walker on steroids. He gets his 16 to 18,000 steps in. Awesome. Um, he used to just sleep like five hours a night, and now he sleeps seven to eight. Awesome. And so all the, I mean, it, it's been, it'll be two years in November, but you know he lost 45 pounds, yeah. feels like a million bucks. He's almost yep. 70, and he just totally turned everything around, except so you- for his. Except for his LDLP number, but I'll talk to you about that later.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so is that because he started listening
2: to you?
1: Yes, because I'm a <laughs> nag.
2: <laughs> but you know, Jeff, and I don't know if you've heard Dr. <laughs> um, Frank Seekins describe that word as there for, um, yeah. for the woman. Help her, yeah. And I, I mean, I love the way he describes oh. it, Ein and I to see, and then sein race the weapon person, you know, the, the enemy. And so, if she is specially equipped, and oh, this is so true, because how many times do our wives say, you know, I just got a bad feeling about this? Yeah. Oh, I
3: don't know. I don't know yeah. if
2: we should exactly. do this. Exactly and, and so, exactly if, right. if rather than a help meet, you know, in the, uh, in the King James, but it's an ally, you know, what ally says to the other, hey, go get me a beer, you know, you're my helper after all. Just like, go get your own beer. I'm like, I'm busy, busy being vigilant, you sluggard, you know, get up off your behind. No, we, we've got that so twisted around and if the fact of the matter is that um, it's this concept of I've got your back, I've got the, uh, abilities to um, see things and recognize things in a way that you don't and don't worry, it's not like I've got it over you. Together, like the poles that lift the ark, ironically that ties into the word the of of cleaving, um, mm-hmm. "bod" yep. the poles for the for the ark. So they really, you know, it's it's there's definitely a connection in that way. And you can't lift the ark with just one. You knew that you need the two working together in tandem, in harmony, not on different pages.
3: Amen. Well, it's the only way I,
0: it works. I completely agree, and sadly. Um, I remember when I was writing my book, which I did not uh, publish, I asked several women uh, various questions about probably the biggest question was, how do you see yourself when you look in the mirror? And uh, I would say, remember I'm trying to do this from memory here, I would say that probably better than 85% didn't have an answer. You know, they were just kind of, it was a deer in the headlights moment. And that goes back to our lost identity and who we are and what our bodies are and what God created and how we are and how we are to make a difference in the earth. But if you don't understand who you are because you've been beat down for centuries or you've been relegated to thinking that I'm the boss, uh, and do as I say, and you just don't realize how the two work together, you have this sickness. And you mentioned early in the beginning of the program, I think, or maybe before we started, when you bring all of that into the home, you're bringing death into the home, meaning yeah. you Ultimately. turn your situation around. But mm-hmm. when you come in and you throw the woman under the bus and you don't listen to the things going on in your home and in your house, then you're destroying the Ezzel. You're destroying your greatest weapon. You're destroying your greatest companion. You're destroying the best thing, the perfect order that God placed everything, or what's worse, Uh, and I'm going to go here. I was doing a plumbing job, and uh, I was talking to this guy. This was in Portland, and I said, I gave him the estimate, and he said, he said, hang on a second. Let me go see what my husband thinks. Then another man came around the corner and looked at it and said, I think that'll be okay. And I, I had one of those moments where the whole concept of life is a hard thing to explain. But the whole concept of life, in that moment I understood how screwed up things were in terms of the promotion of life, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. I'm I'm not addressing the two guys, I'm addressing the circumstance that doesn't produce life, so there's, there's there's a situation occurring that can only produce something worse. And that's kind of what we've done to our bodies. That's what we've done to the kingdom. That's what we've done with all of the processed foods, all of the uh, sugary drinks. We've created an environment of death and sickness and unhealthiness. And then we sit here and we, we dislike ourselves because we're overweight. And we don't understand the mechanisms that are causing this. Your book does a very good job of explaining a lot of that, but not necessarily explaining it. Showing us how it's all linked together in order to prevent the disease, the death trap, the sickness, the craziness, the chaos from entering in. What we do is we spiritualize it in a negative way instead of spiritualize it in the way we were created. That's your book helps us to kind of turn that around. Um, really, th- folks, you really have to read the book in order to understand the investment that has gone into this book to tie you back to the beginning, to return you literally to Eden, so that you can understand that when we say that our bodies are sick and I'm going to go here, our bodies are sick and they're full of sin and they're. That's not the way the Creator made our bodies. That's the consequence of what we've let in. This body that I have is amazing. It's literally amazing. And to look at it in any other light means that you're diminishing the hand that created it. Your body, your book is helping us to return to to the root of it all. And I think that's really the heart of the Hebrew movement is to return us back. Not necessarily religious thing and all this crazy stuff that we got going on. But God says, I want to restore you to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the foundation. Let's go back to the core. Let's go back to what I'm doing. So you understand better who you are, not what uh, you've become.
2: Tying in tying into that thought and especially with the emphasis on um kingdom perspective uh with with your efforts here. So Shabbat, you know, Shu of return, and then Tav, if you look at that in the ancient pictograph across, you know, the covenant, returning to the covenant. When I um, closed up the section where I talked about the detailed physical stuff and moved more into the spiritual towards the end of the book, so I wrote this one chapter called um, uh, Shabbat and Date Night, um, you know, how food and relationships, something like that. But anyways, the focus is on um, how we've taken food and made food the final destination of just about everything, uh, as opposed to an accent. So you think about, you know, if there's families that do a rev Shabbat. and so food is part of it for sure. Getting ready ready for the uh, for the time for the for the date night. It's kind of like date night. You know, getting ready for date night is not about the food. The food is an accent. Still make it good stuff. Have a nice glass of wine. You know, a good steak. You know, really make it. Fun and let it um, uh, build, uh, uh, you know, more into the um, the the engagement or or the date night, if you know, using that term. But that's really what Shabbat is is focused on is the relationship itself between us and God, not necessarily what we do in preparation to get ready for it, including the food. But what we've done as a culture is we focus on the food. Everything is about the food. Oh my goodness, it just numbs my mind. When I'll be at different church events, you know, in a traditional church setting, and it's like if there weren't going to be donuts, you wonder if people would show up. <laughs> it's like, right, what's God. with donuts? <laughs> oh my God, we got a donut ministry. I'm not kidding. I've seen churches that have donut ministries, and not only that have donut ministries, but the Sunday donut ministry and the Wednesday donut ministry. <laughs> what God do you worship after all? Um, but anyways, don't answer that question. Um, but the, but the really the, the biggest thing is to realize that the focus in life is not about food it's really about relationships husbands and wives families with our Creator and food merely serves as an accent to make the whole experience more enjoyable not the end destination.
1: But it's unfortunately become an addiction and it's generally because someone's trying to fill the hole you know somewhere in the heart. It's the easiest one because you know, you can have an addic- a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction or whatever, and those are there's still a stigma attached to that, mm-hmm. but there isn't really to food. <laughs> do you right. know what I mean? Right. And so, um, and once, and then once that sugar taste comes in, it it it's it's I think one of the most difficult addictions to you know to to get well, rid of. Well, it
2: is. I'll tell you just really quick the physiology on that. So it's called leptin resistance. So there's insulin resistance, and then there's leptin resistance. So leptin's in your brain, and it's a hormone, it's a satiety telling you that you've got enough, you've got enough calories on board, now go do something. Well, you, when you become leptin resistant, which happens from high insulin levels, so watch how these loops, just like, what? This is going from bad to worse. Here's what happens when you're leptin resistant. If leptin doesn't turn on, your body says, oh my gosh, you got no calories, stop moving, cause you'll die. Stop moving and whatever you do, whatever you collapse onto, make sure that there's food next to you, what you where you collapse and start shoveling it in your face and don't move until we tell you that you're ready to go. That's leptin resistance. So the person who becomes obese, and I can't tell you how many people I have had behind closed doors, tears streaming down their face when they say, I don't eat as much as you think I do. Most of That's them eat less right. than two meals a day. Right. I know, because I've heard it over and over and over and over. What happens is when you're leptin-resistant, your body feels as though it's starving, and so right. neurologically, hormonally, you're stimulated to not move and just keep eating. So to a certain degree, it's not you know, just pure you know, gluttony and sloths. Sure. It's, it's, it's not your fault. Okay, so enough of that being said. But you are going to have to take action yourself. And you're definitely, right. Jeff, to your point, you definitely need help overcoming this because the deck is stacked against you. Right.
1: Yeah, when the body is in starvation mode, it's going to do everything its level best to get back to what it's used to. You know, I I saw, uh, I don't know if I read an article, that one of those shows, The Biggest Loser, mm-hmm. the guy, I don't know, he lost like 150 pounds or whatever. And of course, they do high, low, low calorie and high... A high uh, output exercise mm-hmm. and so uh, within a year he, I think he was eating like an 800 calorie diet and he went up to nine hundred or a thousand and in the year gained all the weight back right eating uh, eating starvation mode you know diet and and gained it all back so
2: right. here's why that happens here's why that happens as you calorie restrict here's the bad thing about calorie restricted diets as you calorie restrict, it's like the thermostat on the house. You know, if it's cold, then you just turn the, oh, okay, well, we'll get by at 65. Oh, let's try 60, let's try 55, let's try fifty. After, you know, if you're okay with 50 and I walk in your house, I'm like, it's an ice <laughs> box in here. Well, you get used to it. And yeah, so your yeah. body will get used to living on far fewer calories. And when it does, and you start eating 900 or 1,000, which is still low, it doesn't need, it. it's used to 50 degrees. And so it takes all that additional calorie and guess what it does? Just pack it on. And you actually, so here's the terrible thing for most people that do calorie restricted diets. They would have been better off if they never did it in the first place. Because what they also do in the process is they burn down their muscle mass. Because when you're in a ketogenic state, ketogenic diets, you you cannot stop from burning muscle as well. So if you're going to do it smart, you've got to boost the protein to offset the muscle burn but you don't want to do that very long because you're still going to burn muscle. Well, if muscle burns calories and you're making your muscles get smaller and smaller, that means you have less capacity to burn calories, which means you better keep eating less and less because you're just not going to be able to burn as many calories. Well, when people do those diets, they don't go in the gym and pack on a bunch of muscle. They're so frustrated by their inability to keep losing that in exasperation, they go and start chowing down a bunch of food they put on all of the weight, they have less muscle mass, so they're actually, their percent body fat has greatly increased. They're fatter, even though they're at the same body weight, and now they can eat less because they've crunched in their muscle mass. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do to yourself because it, it ends in it's just a spiral down, yeah. down, 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 down. Yeah. It's terrible.
3: Yeah. Wow. So uh, that.
0: before we run out of time, and I really... I really appreciate the show because I'm hearing that God designed our bodies to react to both react and be reactive or to be proactive so it's interesting to me how if you do this to your body your body tells your brain or your brain tells your body something is communicating throughout your system to take care of you to make the body work that's the way it was designed And we're sabotaging that whole communication system within our body, just like we're sabotaging the entire communication system in the body of the Messiah. It's Mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. I can't get over this. When I was reviewing your book tonight uh, or last night, I started seeing this thing that I didn't see when I read through it the first time. i course, this is a microcosm of how the body is being destroyed literally being destroyed. That We can use different, and Dean and I are very good at this because we're talking about kingdom language, which is metaphoric and all kinds of things, but we can apply the same metaphors to how we're self-killing ourselves, just like in the Hebrew Roots Movement, in the Christian world, in the Jewish. Everybody hates each other if we don't agree with each other, but yet we all need to communicate with each other in order to make the body better, to make the body whole to make the pieces fit and that's what we need to do with our own bodies we need to make the kidney talk to the liver the liver talk to the brain the brain talk to the heart the heart talk to the skin everything has to communicate in order to keep us alive
1: and that's the unique thing that the body is compared to the actual temple because it's supposed to function the same way Mm -hmm. you know I know they say there's like a trillion cells in your body and you think you apply that to the, the temple starts out as the as the cosmos and works its way to the tabernacle temple et cetera et cetera, patterned after a human body functioning the same way. And so when things break down and people aren't fulfilling their function, uh, it's not it's not operating like it's supposed to, and pro- all kinds of problems set in. So it, it just it's fascinating that the two things relate so well.
2: Yeah. Well, and, it's and funny too because or, Go it's ahead. Funny. It's funny too, Dean, because earlier you made the comment you didn't want to get in the weeds. But it's like it's not so much that you're getting weeds, uh, it's just that the parallels don't stop. Right, They just go right. on and on. It's like exactly every right. single thing. Like when I was talking about in the book, I talk about omega-3, omega-6, saturated fats, all that stuff. Well, the word for butter hama is the same word um, as wall. And then the wall, the cell membrane... Of, of the body is made up by all of these different fatty acids three six etc all this different stuff and they do different things and there's there's different subdivisions with those headings that I used and so you know we're living stones and together as living stones we all do different things with different functions in the same way it works in the cell membrane like you can't imagine in spades and not trillions how about 300 trillion cells in your body I mean it just doesn't stop
1: yeah yeah, yeah. and and The complexity, I mean, the complexity of it matches the complexity of all of creation. Yes. Like, that's that's just mind. Amen.
2: Amen. It it is. You
0: sat down and you looked at all of the cells in the human body and then realized that God purposed them to be connected in order to function. Well, it's the same thing with the cosmos. It's the same thing with creation. Everything is tied together. For function and purpose, right, and that's what I loved about your book is because you really kind of bring that so, forward.
2: So here's a quiz. Here's a quiz. So Davash, honey, who makes who makes honey?
0: I see. I read this.
1: Bees. Chapter. I read
0: and what's <laughs> this <laughs> the root? What's the
2: root word for bee?
1: Uh, well, devar. is it related? devar, devar. which devar, is a community. Huh? Yeah, hello. To speak. Yeah.
2: Devarim, you know. Yeah. Uh,
1: also, that's the, the name of the holy of holies. Is the devar yes. Right. The Oracle of God.
0: But in right. your book,
3: yeah. uh-huh.
0: in your book, you you talk about the the streets of gold, and you talk about the structure—a very simple structure, but it's capable of sustaining all that weight mm-hmm. and all the what is produced in it, and all that life and all that busy stuff that's going on in the mm-hmm. honeycomb. You use that analogy to show that that little tiny thing that that bee does. It's really a microcosm of the foundation of everything. Right. What is, where does the pollen come from? From the plants. What do the bees do with it? They regurgitate it. What does it produce? produces a structure. What does the structure produce? A place where everything is, is sweet and good and strong and wholesome and right. gold. Right. It's all tied together. It's like God shows us all of these different things in his design. Uh, Dr. Chris, before we run out of time, we only got a few more minutes. How can people buy your book? What's your website? Uh, well, you can, you can get the
2: book at Godshealingcode.com. Okay, so just go there, Godshealingcode.com. And then also I have a website, drchrisgreen.com, and, and that's with an E on the end of green, or as I had one person tell me, oh, green with a lot of E's. So drchrisgreen.com. And in fact, I just posted a blog for your listeners it just went on today where I give um, three easy steps to weight loss. And so that's just for, for us here tonight. Um, you can share with your friends. Please do. Um, but that's where you can connect, Godshealingcode.com or drchrisgreen.com.
0: Are you doing speaking engagements?
2: I am. I am. And uh, you can find my speaking engagements on my website. Uh, so thanks for asking. And just look there, and you will find my next ones uh, coming up.
0: Well, oh, Dina, do you have any more questions or comments or anything that you'd like? Well, to I mean,
1: about? yeah, I mean, you know, we could probably go another hour, but I digress. Of, this
0: has been very good. Very good. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it,
1: and it ties in nicely because our, our whole ministry has to do with restoration. You know, ultimately mm-hmm. Yeshua came to restore creation, restore the universe. And so this is a little way we can do it. And each person yes. has responsibility and accountability for themselves to begin to that restoration process, clearly you know we're <laughs> the body is decaying, we are going to die, I get that, but we want to it to the best of our ability and as God allows you know to to have the energy and and the discipline to be able to go out and um, and minister and do kingdom work and you know if you're yes. flat on your back, sicker than sick, due to your own choices, you know that's not helping the kingdom grow no. so. And I would
0: add, too, uh, because we're talking about people, if you don't love people, then there's really, you're already sick, in my opinion. But I'd like to put this as a puzzle. Every piece is different, and I've said this for 10 years now. Every piece is different. It's unique. It has its own pr- properties. It has its own structure, but it has a part of the picture on it, a part of the image And all we have to do is be connected to the next piece and the next piece and the next piece in order to produce the strength and the continuity in the full image. Obviously, that's the kingdom of God and certainly through his son. And we have to recognize that just like the body has to work together, we have to work together. Dr. Green, you have the last word.
2: Well, I was, I was listening to you and I just love that concept of tikkun olam, you know, the, the Jewish concept of just our, your purpose in this world. God has created each one of us for a special, it's like Mission Impossible kind of thing. You know, but, but it's really true. Is we're not just here to take up space. And sadly, if we let our bodies start to decay and, and just not be able to do what they were made to do, we kind of take up space. So we should really be serious about taking care of our bodies and helping each other do the same thing because yes. it's tough to do alone.
1: Yeah, impossible, I think.
2: I agree. Yeah,
0: I think it's yeah. impossible as well. Yeah. Uh, folks, we're going to end the show tonight with a song that I think is uh, just a beautiful song. It's by a blind African. It's called Ordinary People. And uh, Dr. Green, thank you for joining. Yes, uh, thanks so you. much. We oh, well, thank
2: it. you. This is great.
0: Yeah. You guys need to go out and buy the book and understand a little bit more about what we're talking about. And, uh, Dr. Green is a friend of our program. So who knows? We might have him back and, uh, might even ask him to come up north and, and share his information with us. We'll just let the Father lead. You know we'll you. follow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Chris.
0: Okay, folks, we're out of here next week. We'll be talking about image bears. And, uh, Dr. Dina Dye's got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to enjoy next week. Uh, we are out of here. Thank you for joining us. I'm returning to Eden. God bless you all and have a
3: good evening.
4: A child in the distance, playing in the rain The sweet sound of water flowing away A construction worker coming home from work To parents and their children going to church A happy little baby drools on your shirt An extraordinary day. Let us have a world of ordinary people living life the way God wants us to. And if we have a world of ordinary people, extraordinary things will happen to me and you. Just a man But he'd kill his son For the price of a lamb And let us consider Ordinary Job Who oh, lost it all But and God had gone at his hope the ordinary David A little shepherd boy Brought down Goliath With a stone and a toy Little Jesus, ordinary child The carpenter's first son, humble and mild If anybody told you he'd be Messiah You probably would laugh it off, I know So let us have a word. Single leader is worth dying for no ordinary mother will cry herself to sleep cause no ordinary father will come home after three and that is so let us have a world of ordinary people living life the way God wants us to, and if we have a world of ordinary people, extraordinary things.